work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. Responsibility we feel towards the world, like questioning, challenging, say something. Raw and vulnerable and open conversation. That was the best part. Hi, Emory friends. Just a quick minute before you start the podcast. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. There's so many things that you could be doing right now. And the fact that you're listening to this seriously warms my heart. I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> so thank you. Also, a huge thank you to Emory patrons. Uh, your support means so much. And if you have been a longtime listener or even new listener and you want to support us, please head over to patreon.com backslash Emory podcast. We have lots of different levels. You can pop in, you can see lots of supporting materials that we've added into our Patreon over the last couple of years. Um, and I just want to say thanks in advance. I'm excited to share this podcast. I haven't recorded with Kyle in a long time. I'm wondering if you are wondering where we're at in our relationship. Um, we fill in a lot of the details here. And I want to give a final shout out to all of the amazing humans that came down for the first annual Emory Retreat. Oh my God, so many incredible experiences. I feel changed after that event, and I did hear from the participants that they did as well. So uh, creating experiences together, you guys, that's what it's all about. I wanna keep doing that. I have to figure out how to make this more sustainable so that I can keep doing that. Uh, that being said, if you want to deepen the connection with yourself or with your partner, please take a look at some of the courses we have online at emerypodcast.com. There's an online self-love journey as well as a transforming jealousy course. And I just started, I don't know by the time I publish this, uh, but I'm just in the first week of the self-love journey. That is the eight week journey. So if you are yearning for group uh, connection in the self-love journey, please reach out to me as soon as possible. Ooh, and this is only for good for one day because I'm publishing on this on Sunday. This is the last day of our 50% off on the self-love course online. So go to amorypodcast.com, check out all the details there. Thank you for listening, and I'm going to let you hop right into the podcast. Love you all. Welcome back, Emory listeners. We're always so happy to have you back. And in this episode, it's a we. Kyle and I are recording right now. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> we actually haven't recorded, you and I, in a long time. Well, not the one that, not anything that's been uh, uploaded or and published. successfully. <laughs> yeah. So that's correct. Yeah. Thanks for your patience with me. <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoy doing it, but, you know, things have changed and, yeah, you're leading Amory more than Marty and I are involved, which is, yeah, it's just part of the ebbs and flows we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, that's a good lead into what I wanted to bring up is just patterns and the patterns I'm identifying in my life, I'm just becoming aware of me and who I am. And then also in my interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And with us, you and I have a pattern for sure of recording right before you leave or right before we are about to go our separate ways. So I think it's actually a really fun process. Uh, I think it's like processing a certain chapter of our lives and then opening up to another chapter. It's a transition. And I really like being super conscious in these moments. I mean, obviously our emotions, or at least my emotions get heightened <laughs> when I know we're going to spend time apart. And it's going to be what, between six and eight weeks this time? Yep. Yeah. So how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I you know, I feel more prepared for time away this time than I, than I ever have. I think that, um, you know, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it in the past, but I think actually this year I just made the connection with, you know, leaving you with kind of one of my core wounds, which was mm. my mom leaving and going to work, you know, every day for 12 hours a day for most of my childhood. You know, she's a successful doctor and uh, incredible pediatrician and just gives so much of herself to her patients and to her profession and being a strong, uh, driven woman, you know, that that had uh, an impact on me as the oldest son um, and also a very sensitive boy that I was. And I think, you know, coming full circle, it's like, I see that that pattern 
was alive with you. And I see that the pattern of leaving was triggering that some serious like somatic body pain. Mm -hmm. And I think I become more aware of that. I become, you know, more secure in myself, just knowing that I can, I can be my own nurturer. I can be my own witness for a lot of things. Like I, I can, yeah, I can self, um, regulate. I can do all these things. I, I'm not dependent on you for that. Mm -hmm. I, I love, I love, you know, having you as my, as my, uh, the person that I bounce life off of. And I am able to reflect things with you on things with you and yeah, like work through things, ideas, feelings, everything. I love that. And I've gotten a lot better at doing it on my own. And I think that I'm just trying to approach the time away um, in the in the most mindful, conscious way I can to to know that like if I feel something, I want to feel it. I don't want to run from it. I don't want to get mad at you for it. Mm -hmm. you know, all the all the patterns, talking mm -hmm. the patterns that have happened in the past. And I think, yeah, it's like a, a fuller accept, acceptance of what our relationship is and isn't. Yeah, and knowing that, um, you know, there there are times where currently uh we are apart and and i'm on my own i don't have another partner uh that fills that that spot so i'm filling that spot and and that's just part of i think my journey and it's been an important part i was laughing at the retreat uh i came up with this kind of like funny one-liner of like i've been i've now been monogamous for the longest period of time during my polyamorous relationship <laughs> <laughs> and and I think oh the irony yeah the irony to me is pretty clear that because I did monogamy so poorly um and I take pretty much most responsibility for most of the responsibility for that I don't blame monogamy but I feel like it's it's been what I've kind of needed to do to learn um that there is a process of connection and there's such a spectrum of connection in ways to connect and there's so many ways that I can find satisfaction uh, in, in this spectrum that isn't just like you're my friend or we're having sex and mm -hmm. you're my full blown, you know, partner or whatever. And I think that I've, you know, through open relationships and endless possibility, uh, been able to actually become more selective and appreciative of just how relationships can go while also keeping my heart open and, allowing for the, the relationship to naturally run its course or become what it, it will become. And, and sometimes it's uh, an intimate friendship uh, mm -hmm. as I've had recently with someone that I met in Costa Rica. And then, you know, sometimes, um, yeah, there's, there's bigger possibilities. Uh, and I think abundance is, is probably attached to a lot of that. I think I've had a, and this will be the last, point I'll make on this thread is like, <laughs> I'm wrapping everything together. I think I've had a scarcity mindset with regards to polyamory, which is also ironic because, you know, when you have this infinite possibility, what do you do with it? But I think because the process of polyamory and being so open and honest with the world about my relationship, I've also suffered the consequences of women being like, oh yeah, this guy's not for me. Mm. This guy scares me. He doesn't seem like a guy who, you know, blah, 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 enter judgment here. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, that's been hard to, to, to receive rejection um, for being authentic and being honest and, and also seeing that, you know, broad society looks at polyamory uh, differently than I do. And most people have judgments or reservations about it. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And, and I think people should be also, also cautious, you know, with, with ev everything that they, that's new. Uh, so I understand that. Um, but I think, yeah, full circle, it's like, I've been working on identifying that scarcity that I felt like where, oh, you know, my belief was that I'm not going to be able to find someone that fits into our life, mm -hmm. my life in this way, authentically. 
So I've been noticing that I've tried to modify myself and kind of try to appear like, well, maybe I can, um, you know, maybe, maybe I won't be in this relationship with you or whatever it is um, to try to make it more attractive for another partner instead of just being who I am and, and accepting the full consequences and accepting that that also will attract the partner that does fit with me in the best way. And can I trust in that and lean into that and, and also feel that there's possibly many, many humans that could fit that role and fit in, in that space with me. And not that I need many, but, um, just feel it's a different way of looking at it. And I, I feel like I've gotten to that place uh, or I'm working on it. I'm getting... um, so you just brought up so much, so much. And I'm realizing, I think the last time you and I did a, a podcast together, it was back in like January, February of this year, where we weren't sure where our relationship was going. And sorry, guys, if we left you hanging. Uh, I mean, obviously, for those that follow Instagram, they can tell we're still together. Uh, but yeah, you like you've been through so much, and I I see you more secure than ever. You know, I see you being with you, and it's incredible. It's powerful. It's sexy. <laughs> it's um, yeah. It feels like from my side that our love is at this beautiful point, right? Of we choose each other. We don't need each other. And I feel the same, the same way, you know, I feel like I had to work through my attachment issues, just like you worked through yours and, you know, and getting myself to a point where I'm like, I'm whole and complete unto myself and I choose to relate to you and I choose to relate to Marty. So it's like, it's a whole new world of relating from this space. And, um, yeah, I mean, I could talk ad nauseum at that part, but I want to go back to your, just your journey and most recently, the person that you connected to here in Costa Rica, that was, I mean, I think that opened up a whole new world of possibility. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit more because I have seen you just look at our relationship and then really wonder and be like, is it, is it even possible that another woman could accept this relationship with Megan and I and, and also see herself with me? Mm -hmm. And I know that like, that's, that's huge. There aren't a lot of examples like that. And I think we just had a very like innocent <laughs> version of that. But I, I saw you and I saw you kind of realize, whoa, maybe this is possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely walked away from that experience feeling like this is possible. And I, and I almost got to feel what it, what it will feel like when it, when it happens. So can we just set the stage a little bit? So you yeah. befriended someone who was not but, seeking a relationship. There was no <laughs> physical intimacy. Yeah, well, I can tell that story because <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. No, there's always like a funny wrinkle to to stories with me, I uh -huh. think. But I met someone that was that's a nomad. She's a traveler and uh, a yoga teacher. And she came through my town in Costa Rica and... Um, she was there for one month and I knew she was there for one month and I kind of took on the role of like welcoming her to the community and going surfing with her. And, you know, over time we developed a very deep connection. Um, I came to also find out that she was not, she's not in a space of, uh, seeking uh, a connection right now due to being in the Amazon and going through an intensive ayahuasca experience and that uh then the you know the shaman gave her a six month no basically no energy exchange with men no hugging and so it was really interesting to have those restrictions but then also see what what else filled that space mm -hmm. which was um much deeper conversations uh even some <laughs> some like partner yoga and acro yoga where there was touching and energy exchange um, and just becoming so like hyper present and aware mm -hmm. and connected to that. Um, but I think the, the long story short is that we, we developed a, a deep connection even with the, the restrictions. And I was really mindful of not, you know, flooding her, her world with my energy and respecting that she's going through a time where she's, needing more of her own kind of sovereignty. And, and I think there's no person that respects and understands <laughs> the importance of that than, than I do. So I feel like I was just really 
aligned person to come into her life and support the integration of of her healing work and um and also not like project or have expectations for what our relationship be- became and also really I found myself enjoying the way that we were connecting which was highly unusual and unique um and we got to and on her last night spend time for together me you and her mm-hmm. and I, I kind of had this experience of having at least two people that are deeply um that are very close to me both getting along uh spent and, and all of us spending time together and you know while we weren't i'm not dating her um it just it was this feeling of what's possible mm-hmm. and i think again it's like that that different mindset of abundance allows for you to see the possibilities and and start to draw them towards you yeah and it doesn't mean it was has to be this person but it's i feel closer than i was before i met her yeah. so i'm super grateful to her for for creating that and allowing me to like slowly keep my heart open while also not attaching to like expectations or what this has to be or how it has to look and also receiving like things like you know she um had told me that you know open relationships feels really really hard or foreign to her or unlikely you know and and kind of receiving that as like it's that's okay that's just where she is Mm -hmm. um and i was also there and look at me so Mm -hmm. not taking that as a as like a you know not fueling using that to fuel a story of of like scarcity and this is never gonna work i think uh, was a good test for me in that way and and i feel like i was rewarded for sure did a good job yeah i think it put us in a new space too because there were moments where you would have normally come over to my place and you were like, oh, hey, I'm going to go do partner yoga with her. And I could feel my stomach drop and be like, oh, man, I'm disappointed. But I remember looking over to you and say, you know, I can be disappointed, feel disappointed and still love you and honor you and be OK. So that part for me felt great is was making space for someone. And it doesn't I mean in reality, does it really matter? <laughs> if right. if you're not with me, does it matter if you're hanging out and surfing with someone or if you're sleeping with someone? I mean, yes, you know, like there are differences, but does it really matter? I th- kind of think it's the same muscle where I can be like, oh, you know, I have, I have a level of disappointment that we can't spend time together. And I have all the space in the world for you to connect with someone else. And yeah, it was really cool to watch you go through the process. And I love you. I love your heart. I love how open your heart is to other people. And I love that you held yourself in a space of like, you know, just being open, you know, and not being like, well, I'm not going to hang out with her because there's no possibility here. You know, you're just like, huh, okay, well, that's different. Let me see. Let me see what's available here. Like, let's just spend time. And I, I think that, you know, I'm there's another layer of me accepting myself in that of just realizing that I am a, I am an open loving person um, in my better moments. And I want, I don't want to deny myself that mm-hmm. I don't want to push that away. And I yeah. think that there's been this like, you know, kind of like voice in my head, like, Oh, Kyle, you're just, you've just fallen in love easily. Or you, give your heart away easily and you know that's tragic or that's sad or that or, you shouldn't do it or yeah, that there's something that. wrong with it yeah no, yeah there's been no a need. voice i think that <laughs> you know that and that's made it hard for me and i think I, I i don't know if i've talked in the i believe i've talked in the past about my heart and my soul being uh in opposition yeah. in the chinese zodiac is where it, it comes up um but you know, and I feel that. I feel that it's not just like, oh, astrology. It's like, no, that feels mm-hmm. real. <laughs> like my heart is this big open thing that always wants me to kind of like get off my soul path and kind of go off in another direction. And I think that I'm working towards this, like, can my heart be open? And can I receive these experiences? And can I continue to to go where I feel like I'm going, which is, you know, into this ad- very highly adventurous life that is adventurous on many levels and I'm you know doing the the work and the mm-hmm. things in, in my life that um have an impact in the way that I want to and and that's a whole 
a whole part of me that I allow to happen uh, instead of being like bogged down into like the the life that I feel like I used to have, mm -hmm. which was like very, um, yeah, very rigid, very traditional mm -hmm. and didn't allow for this like openness that I feel like is is really aligned with mm -hmm. just the energy that I that I am. Yeah. No, I so agree. I would love to go back to and say what this person coming into your life brought to me too. And I I know I've talked about this before and I'll just repeat myself. I do believe that every human in this world has gifts to offer. And sometimes those gifts show up beautifully, like we can receive them lovingly and sometimes they show up as challenges or obstacles. And I just feel like what this person that you befriended gave to me was seeing that I could hang out with you in another confident woman, you know, that she was just so chill and I felt like she accepted me. And I feel like sometimes when I'm not accepted, I occur for the other person like resistance or an obstacle or they get triggered. And honestly, it was just a breath of fresh air to be like, ah, oh, oh, cool. She can see me. She's not, you know, because there wasn't a certain type of relationship between you two, there wasn't like a level of threat. And that felt awesome. I'm like, oh, this is also possible for me too. There can be safe, secure other women. Um, and that feels great. So mm -hmm. thank you. I receive, I receive. That was a beautiful <laughs> gift, you know? And I feel like she was able to receive me and for who I was and what I stand for. And maybe if she was here too, she would say something about to that effect. You know, I know she shared with both of us like the difference that we made for her. And obviously you got to spend more time with her, but um, yeah, it was just really, it was like, oh, this could be easy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that might be a good transition into the, the retreat that we just had, which I feel like is identifying this, like this really big challenge that we, we see really in patterns across mm -hmm. the, the open community is that, you know, when, you know, a metamor or someone new comes in it if it doesn't if that person doesn't connect with you if you don't feel safe with that person um if there's any rupture or lack of trust or violation from that person it gets it really rocks the boat mm -hmm. pretty hard and i think you know and it, in itself that is a gift you know mm -hmm. because it's showing one or both parties like hey ding ding red flag there's a trigger here there's old wounds old trauma well Time yeah to try telling that to someone that's in the shit oh they don't want to hear it right. like for sure nobody wants to hear that that's mm -hmm. when i think everybody looks at me and it's like fuck you megan this is not working for me shit has hit the fan this is awful i am bowing out i'm fucking done with this <laughs> i know I you know from, but unless we yeah. hold and cultivate that that and this is why i think this is a spiritual path to me because unless you cultivate a belief that no matter what's happening is happening for you, you will be disempowered. It's, it's inherent. Unless you empower yourself to fully 100% accept what is happening and what is not, you will not choose to step forward with your power. You will see it like it's happening to you and you will be a victim to the circumstance. And that happens not just in polyamory, that's life in general. So unless, then this is why I think we're in a spiritual crisis of society is like, we are missing some fundamental beliefs. Now, whether or not they're true, honestly, does it even matter? <laughs> does it even matter? You know, do we get what we believe? And I do believe we get what we believe. And if you believe like, hey, this is working for me, no matter what it is, you will step into it with a sense of empowerment. And then new possibilities will be open to you that were not there when you were a victim to the circumstance. I'm sorry. I'm just like, this is... I cannot like say this loud enough because people can't hear me in a triggered state with this. Mm -hmm. And you have to create this belief from a place of secure, of security. <laughs> like this, this belief will not be instilled when you're in that place of being triggered. Right. And I think the, the thing that we saw in the retreat too, was when you get, when you get triggered by somebody else that has a similar uh, challenge as you do. And you know, I think the belief when you talk about creating these beliefs that can get you ready for those moments is, you know, to me, I know we've talked a lot about multidimensional emotions, but I think there's also this multidimensional reality where you literally hear two partners telling two very different stories about the same thing, the same experience. And can they both be true? Can they both be valid? Can they both be accepted? by each partner and then can there still be some kind of 
something worked out um, from that point. And I think when, you know, like Kate Larie talked about lawyering up, it feels like that's the process that a lot of people go to when they have an opposite, they have a different story. It's just a different story. I don't want to say the other word, but it's a different story and a different experience. And it's like, you know, I've gone so deep into the philosophy of all of this. And it's like, our reality is based on our own perspective, our own beliefs, our own experiences. So we will, how could you expect that we're going to see the same thing? I, I just don't think it's possible. And, uh, and, and I think that's this, what do we do if we can even accept this multidimensional reality? Um, yeah, like I would ask you that, like how do we, where do we go from, from that point where two partners have two different stories about the same thing? This is the world that we're currently in right now. And this is why through conflict, we are not making headway. Very few people actually make headway when our perception of reality differs mm. because we're still in a paradigm of believing right or, right or wrong, that we need to choose, that, that, that there's only one objective reality and somebody has to be wrong for someone else to be right. And I actually think that this is the thread of our current human consciousness <laughs> mm -hmm. that is shifting. And I do think that well, practicing polyamory, shift. I mean, it, it needs to, will it? I mean, I, I hope, you know, this is why we, we and I share as much as I do about this concept, but yeah, that's where it's ultimately very difficult. And we need a whole new set of skills that most of us were not raised with. You know, there are people like Marshall guy that wrote nonviolent communication rosenberg rosenberg yeah. right so there there are people that have you know beautiful tools to offer and kate larie you know talking at the retreat oh there's so much i want to share about the retreat fyi it may not happen in this podcast but it will happen in a future podcast because there's a lot to share there it was amazing okay um but yeah kate larie brings up her um, communication model of epic you know, so there's empathy and then there's physical connection, intellectual connection, compassion. Um, there's all these different models that we could use, but ultimately if we can, unless we hold the belief that I can have one version of reality and you can have another and we can coexist at the same time uh, and both can be true at the same time, like that is the, the most foundational belief <laughs> that we need to lay in order to actually have a conversation. Because what I, I would need to do is lay aside my perception of reality to really hear yours, you know? And knowing that I can pick my perception of reality right back up after I hear yours, but I have to let it go just for a minute to actually get into your world, which is empathizing, which is really understanding what is occurring for you. You know, what is occurring for you in your physical state? What is occurring for you in your thoughts? Um, truly, what is occurring for you? And then vice versa, if you're able to do that for me, and then we, we may be able to take a step down the path together to say, okay, well, if this is my reality and this is yours, and we still want to be together, how do we do that? And that is where I like to call the pure void. You know, that's where we get to create from. And that place of uncertainty scares the shit out of us. <laughs> Because when we're in this binary world of right and wrong, where I, either I'm going to control you with my reality or you're going to control me with my reality, and that's where we're going to, quote unquote, you know, create the future from, that's actually not creating. That is replicating more of the past. In order to truly create, like birth a new reality, we have to birth from this place of pure possibility. And that is ridiculously terrifying to the human species. I mean, that's scary on an individual level, you know, because you don't have certainty of what's happening. And we cling to certainty for our sense of security. So how in the world are we going to create a new possibility if we can't ultimately create security in ourselves? You know, if I keep placing my security in you, then I am dependent on your reality. You know, I will you know, there's many ways that we could do it. I could give up on my own. I could gaslight myself to say, oh, that never happened because, you know, my sense of security is you and whatever you think reality is, then you must be correct. I've just given up on myself, you know, or vice versa. I'm going to take my reality and control you and say that you were wrong. And I've just then done the same thing to you. So it's, I mean, I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, but I do think that this is the, the skill set of the future. And it is our ability to sit with uncertainty. And again, going back to the beginning of what you were saying, you feel like you've achieved, and I see it in you, is this 
place of inner security. And, and yeah, and that's actually a really beautiful place to create from. It's even fun to, for us to create from there together now, (laughs) you know, to be like, okay, well, what's going to happen now? I don't know. We'll see. Like, I trust. I just have this trust. Well, it's funny too, because when I think about my time being away from you and, and being in Chicago, which is really not my home anymore and not my safe space, I, yeah, it's like, it is a challenge for me because I, my, my subjective reality is not as, um, (laughs) it's not as respected Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like going to the ordinary world as Marty would say, (laughs) you know, you're, you're going back and you're, you've changed the world has changed, but not as much. And, (laughs) and they're still playing that game of right and wrong and objective. And I think that's where I get challenged to, Mm -hmm. you know, go full circle and try to accept where they are and accept their own beliefs that are different from mine and, and to not get into that righteousness mode Mm -hmm. because I do feel it's easy for me to, to, to get righteous with all the growth and things that I've experienced and feeling like I hold more, more information. Um, but I think the, there's still that judgment part that feels easy or Mm -hmm. that righteous part. That's like, I've, I've compiled this infinite universe in in the right way. And yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know anything. Um, that's, that's what I have to, remind myself yeah i know what's best for me um, yeah and so there's yeah there's two different pieces there you know there is yeah the trap of righteousness and i know when i fall into that it feels not great in my body (laughs) (laughs) i think it feels great oh my god (laughs) yeah for for like a minute it's like you know there's definitely chemicals being released but, True. But, but, yeah. I mean, I, so here's my practice. In your head. Probably. In my head, yeah. yeah. And this is what I've learned about me. Anything that I am like too, I, I don't want to say too far over, but if I... I mean, okay, think about social media, put, right? Social media, it, when you receive, when you see a post that's that's validating your mm-hmm. belief, what is that? That That is releasing yeah, dopamine. True, true. I mean, that is the, the design. Yeah. And <laughs> right. then when you see something you don't agree with, then you're going to get triggered with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why equi- equanimity mm-hmm. is really big. And I remember my um, meditation teacher, Anita, shout out to you. You're amazing. amazing. <laughs> when yeah. she brought up equanimity, I'm like, I, I get it in my head, I think, but I don't really get it. And now I feel like after a year, it's been like slow drip into my body and I can feel equanimity. I can feel it. And so whether there's like a high, high or a low, low, it's like, can I meet this current moment from a neutral place, you know? And, and then it doesn't like rock my ship, <laughs> mm. you know, it's just like, I feel this equanimity, you know, somebody around me can be super high or somebody around me can be super low or I could be super high or super low, but I can still, there's like a part of me that meets that with, with like this neutrality, this like beautiful centered, like eye of the storm neutrality. Yeah. So that's, I'm going to speak it out loud for myself because mm-hmm. I want to challenge myself. And that, that's what it feels like I'm heading into in, in the, my time in, in Chicago is to challenge myself to, um, to be more accepting of my family and, mm. and our differences. Mm-hmm. And, and then furthermore, to see what is the shared reality that we can co-create from, yeah. you know, cause it does exist yeah. and it exists with the people even that you would never expect, yeah. like, you know, the people that you think are so different from you, there is a shared reality, mm-hmm. there are shared values and shared visions. Uh, if you actually spend time talking to them and totally. getting, getting to that place. So, yeah, that's what it feels like is an opportunity for me is to use this time to not come home and be righteous and, and write <laughs> and tell everybody what's what they need to know, but to try to understand where they're at and, and empathize with it and, and um, find that shared space. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that, that shared space. That's where, I don't know if you said these words exactly, but they popped into my head to accept them exactly as they are and exactly as they aren't. Because in reality, that's a practice of, can we accept ourselves exactly as we are and exactly as we aren't? Because anything we're still rejecting, that's a part of us that we're whole on rejecting. 
You know, if I can't be with someone else's suffering, I, I can't be with mine. If I can't be with someone else's pure joy, I can't be with mine. So everybody's still always reflecting to us where we have work to do. Um, but that beautiful space of, I wanted to say two things. So in righteousness, this is why I'm not 100% pure vegetarian and why I'm not 100% purely sober without drinking alcohol. You know, I did, I did reach a time where I wasn't eating any meat or I wasn't drinking any alcohol and that I, I really felt righteous in myself. And that was, that didn't feel good that I was like judging everyone. I didn't have any space for for like stepping into something enjoyable or, you know, an allowance there. And now I allow myself a little fish here and there and a couple of drinks here and there. And I feel much more balanced. And then I don't bring that, that righteous like lens when I see someone eating meat or having a glass of alcohol. Well, it's funny because restriction, I think can drive, you know, feelings of (laughs) just negative feelings in general. And that can come out in, in, I think a a righteous kind of manifestation, which is like, people that are restricting themselves aren't, they're, they're not happy with that restriction, mm-hmm. whatever the reason is. And it gets kind of projected onto other people that aren't also, you know, restricting themselves too. And, and there's so much. Uh, Cause we talked about, yeah, we talked about the pattern. So the pattern of restricting, all that does is pull the rubber band back farther, whether or not you're dieting, whether or not you are not having sex, whether or not you're like anything you're pulling that far into one extreme, all it is doing is giving energy to just swing the pendulum the other way. Why? Here's why. Here, I had an aha moment. Um, is I read a sentence on someone else's podcast description and I was like, oh my God. We've talked a, a lot in systems thinking about pendulum swinging and oscillation. And when things oscillate, we're kind of in a system or in a pattern. And it didn't occur to me until I read this, that that, that pattern is created through attachment the only way a pendulum swings is because it has a fulcrum that it is swinging from. It has an attachment part. And without that attachment, it wouldn't be swinging in that oscillating pattern. And so, you know, I could say if my identity is attached to being a vegetarian or, you know, not drinking any alcohol, that's what's creating that oscillating pattern. And now I don't have an attachment to that. I'm like, I can see myself as somebody that drinks a couple glasses here and there, or I could eat and just like, okay, well, what do I feel like doing right now? What feels good for me without that sense of judgment or that attachment to a certain identity? Um, But I also wanted to bring back to your point about shared reality and going in when people have a different subjective reality, because there is, I don't want to say the word danger, but that's what pops up. There's a danger of stepping into a community that has a shared reality that is not yours, because that's where it's really easy to start self-doubt and it just gets harder to hold on to the reality that you know for yourself. Um, But also this is where I think loving boundaries come into play (laughs) because we we don't have to use boundaries on like other people to say, you can't say this or you can't do that. Boundaries are for us to create for us. You know, a boundary might be, I'm really good with my family for a couple weeks and that's good. And then the boundary is time. I, I know for myself, two weeks is great. Like I can do two weeks. Anything after that, I'm going to start feeling my energy drained or like not, not doing the activities or practices or being around the people that I feel like recharge me. So that's a boundary for me of time. But there's so many different ways that we could create boundaries that are healthy and loving. And they are from a place of respect for ourselves and not from a place of fear of the other. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that this, I've been really playing with boundaries for a while and I'm like starting to really understand it when I and maybe able to create a loving boundary for myself to be like, oh, Megan, I know you. I know you so well. This is what works for you and this is what doesn't. So let's be fully responsible, you know, and make the decisions that work for you and to be able to step into those instead of getting to a point where I have to be resentful and blame someone else for a boundary that I didn't uphold for myself. But that's where awareness is really big <laughs> and full on accepting how I am and how I'm not, even if I want to be another way. <laughs> I think the Buddhist. The Buddhists have uh, have some things figured out with mm. attachment. I feel like that's one of the, the core yeah. things of just being aware of what you're attaching to. And I just I see these patterns for myself, you know, attaching to outcomes, attaching mm-hmm. to expectations, attaching to, you know, the future of, of where things are gonna go. And, you know, I'm a I'm a 
a future thinker. I'm a visioner. Um, I'm a creator. And, and I think I spend a lot of time in the future. And I think I've been <laughs> trying to bring myself back to the present and also realize that like whatever I'm trying to create in the future, like to not get so attached to what it's going to look like or how long it's going to take and, mm -hmm. and losing the joy of, of the whole creative process, mm -hmm. um, which is a big part of me. You know, it's like, I don't want to squash that part. I want to figure out how to like release it more and, and allow for it more and, and not be so, you know, stuck in a, a pattern mm. uh, along with my, cause your strengths can be weaknesses. Oh yeah, so totally. Quickly. Depending um, on the context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was thinking about what pattern do I go into when we are not physically together? Hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, I definitely see how much I recharge myself when we're together. And I, that could be for so many different reasons, but I have to double check is if, am I still giving myself permission to do the things I like to do? You know, sometimes you become the excuse where it's like, oh, mm -hmm. we'll go on a walk for a walk on the beach and you know, go do this thing and do, I'll go to yoga. yoga. I know. Right. No, I don't. Yeah. And so, I mean, I do, I'll like put out my mat in the morning, but I don't like seek out a class as much as I do when we're together. So I think for me, I, I want to take full responsibility for being my own catalyst where, especially in the places where I've still allowed you to be my catalyst and I'm going to take that on. So yeah, my, my responsibility. Yes. Uh, what else? I mean, I still feel really connected to you emotionally and intellectually when we're apart. And so that part feels good. Um, yeah, like the physical touch, man, I miss it a lot, <laughs> a lot. Um, but it's, I was just describing this to some people at the retreat too, saying I've kind of learned how to play with lack instead of lack being a bad thing, it's like lack becomes a tool to play with. And Kate Lurie looks over at me and she's like, you know what that sounds like, <laughs> yeah. don't you? <laughs> it's like slightly heading into the BDSM world, like of restriction. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I am kinkier than I thought. Like, let's let's see, can I explore this? Can I explore lack in, uh, in a different way? Mm. Yeah, and I do, we've, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast too, like we use it, we use time apart to increase energy. And I've done it now with Marty too, going a month without him in my day-to-day -day life, like that's big. We, our whole married life, we spent almost every day together. And so stretching from him too has really increased this desire, you know? And, I, and right now my cycle is kind of like weekly, you know, I'll do like a night with you and then a night here and a night by myself. And so it's just like these short periods of lack, but I, st I think I'm still learning how to juice, as Anita would say, the meditation teacher, like juice the experience for what it has. And I'm going to see what there is for this longer stretch um, of us being, you know, separated physically and see what there is. Yeah. Maybe like a deeper dive into into me, into what's there and keep, yeah, keep going back to my practices. Yeah. And I did this in the, the retreat for the, the men that, that were uh, a part of it as I, I gave them a challenge and then I, I, I wanted to also see them for, mm. for all the things that I saw them for. So I'll, I'll reflect that to you mm. as well. You already gave yourself a great challenge, but yeah, I want to see you for, all the things that we've accomplished the last year in our relationship, but also for you. I mean, there's so many things and I just see you continuing to lean into the things that you're afraid of, the, the things that you've felt limited by the mm -hmm. beliefs that you've had, um, to creating this retreat and pulling it together and making it happen. Um, yeah, getting to see you in your, in your element. I haven't, gotten to see you know oh, i don't get yeah. to see you in your group work as yeah. much i mean certainly not in person but i got to really see you and be in your space that you create and i got to contribute in mm -hmm. a number of ways and yeah i just i'm i'm incredibly grateful for you not just as a partner but a partner in crime of <laughs> you've you've given me the tools and the space to to find my voice. And I know anybody who's listened to Emery over the years that we've done it, here's a different Kyle in the mm -hmm. beginning than they hear now. And, you know, I'm going forward in other, in other work that 
um, and, and trying to change the world of health. Um, but now I have a voice to speak it and you are such a big part of that. So I want to see you for that, for helping unleash my voice, helping me find it, supporting me the whole way, cheering for me. And you, yeah, you're like one of my biggest fans, of mm. course, but you also have the tools that, that I needed. And that's been a beautiful part of our relationship mm. that I'm, I'm so grateful for. Thank you, Kyle. I Thank you. you. I love you. What's my challenge? You, you gave I, yourself I a just, challenge. Okay, yeah. so you don't have one to add on to that. I, I, well, I'm trying to remember now what, what your challenge was. Um, to really step in and give myself permission to the, do the things where I would lean on you to be a catalyst. Oh, right. mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. No, I think that's a great yeah. one. I mean, it, it involves me and it involves, <laughs> it involves like me. Yeah. Like, and I think that's another thing too, is like, can I release, you know, control where like you meet more needs of your own that I've, that I've met mm -hmm. and like, can I be secure and know that we still have such an incredibly powerful bond and we have such incredible gifts that we bring each other and we are getting stronger as individuals, but that's not taking away from our relationship. That's not how I see it at all. Mm. And so I, yeah, like I, I want you to be as empowered as possible. And, you know, I'm always here. I'm always here to, yeah, to, to love you and cheer for you and, and support you. Thank you. Well, I got to do a back at you now. Um, Kyle, I've seen you do the men's work for the last couple of years, right? Year at least. Two years. Two yeah. years, right? And I've seen, I mean, I've seen incredible things come out of that for you, for the men in the group. And you took on the men's circle conversation during the retreat. And and I think you held a beautiful space, you know, I and I'm seeing you step up or kind of I mean, I, I've been able because to see you're not you. Because you patient. Like, <laughs> you I want know, me to go right? faster. Like, go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's been cool for you to see yourself, yeah. you know, because I, I think... It's hard to see. It's yeah, hard. one that's of the things the you've said over the years is like that you don't feel seen by other men. And that's like a big wound. And you're putting yourself in that space when you do men's work to either seen or not be seen by other men and respected and, and respected. Yeah. yeah. Seen, i.e. mean like seen for you and your gifts and who you are and respected. And now I just see that being mirrored back to you where I see other people reflecting back to you, the space that you hold, who you are for them, who you are for other men and, and now being sought out, you know, even more and people wanting to refer other men to you and other friends like saying, Hey, I really want to do this work with you. Uh, it's pretty spectacular. It really Thank is. You. It's just like, yep, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Well, it's it was funny too in the in the men's circle when I I felt like I was almost like part woman in in that circle because my it, it's it's honestly I'm still like like processing all of it from the retreat, but I just realized how much I empathize with women and mm -hmm. I and I see the female perspective and. You know, I, and I'd almost gone too too far over mm -hmm. to not understand the the like wounded man mm -hmm. perspective and having enough compassion for that. Where I'm, I'm I talk to women so much more, and I have more female friends than than male friends. Um, and and yeah, I think I've I've become biased in a way to like the the feminine perspective mm -hmm. that it's that you know almost like this right wrong mm -hmm. scenario that I I started I noticed that mm -hmm. I just was sliding into that and I'm grateful for the men on the retreat because mm -hmm. I feel like they gave me the gift to see that there that this is hard um, for men and that any any man that reacts in an open relationship is is just struggling mm -hmm. because of our programming because of all the things that i know that were hard for me and and maybe i'm through some of them um but just to remember that that's that is really hard uh, and this is really hard for men and the changes that the world is going through are hard for men because we you know and it's not like it's it's justifying anything but the world was what it was and is what it is and you know, men are having to release control, but also safety in the mm. way the way that they knew it. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong um, the way that it was, certainly not. But I'm just saying that the, that's a reality. Mm -hmm. And the men's work for me, I think, is is founded in in that understanding that men 
need a bridge to walk across to this other world that is more emotionally intelligent. And I think that's what I try to represent is that strength, the emotional strength that men don't see as strength mm-hmm. and, and women know all about it. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> they hold that, that space on this planet and, and everywhere. But I think that's the, that, that was the part where I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the part that I have that they can't see. Mm-hmm. And in some ways I struggled to, to see the, the male perspective, uh, the male struggle and mm-hmm. to have compassion for it because I, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm no longer in those, in that, that headspace of mm-hmm. where they are. So as we change and grow, you know, we, we do like gain a new perspective and, yeah. and release others. Yeah. And that's why it takes community too. And I think I'll wrap up with this. It's one of the biggest insight that came out of the retreat for me personally, and where I see myself growing is that, I mean, community is so powerful and so needed and when we have a healthy community, both of, you know, men for other men, women for other women, and, and a whole healthy, larger community, we are so much more stable. And if each one of us, if we are having individually a kind of a crisis, and that happens, you know, it's not like you can be constantly secure for yourself every single moment. You know, each one of us goes through these periods of stepping back into old wounds and traumas and like doing that healing work, and that's really insecure time. And when we have both our intimate relationships that are strong and community that's strong, we are able to ride that wave so much smoother than if we didn't have healthy, you know, intimate relationships or a healthy community. And so instead of seeing it like concentric circles, like self in the middle and then intimate relationships around that, like a target and, you know, community outside of that, I'm starting to see it more like a triangle, like the self intimate relationships and community at large are kind of like a three-legged stool. And if one leg goes down, I mean, that's, that's really hard, but like, well, maybe this isn't a good analogy because if one leg goes down on a three-legged stool, the whole stool is going down. (laughs) So I got to work on this analogy. Um, But I just mean it to say, if you have two out of the three points, you're going to be a lot healthier. If you have three out of the three points, do watch out, like you're on fire, you're, you know, anything's possible. And honestly, many, for many people, I think we have one of those points, if that or none. And in, if that's the case, that that is very dangerous. You know, that's where all kinds of not great things happen. Um, so I'm just looking at this community piece saying, how can we be there more for each other? You know, having a women's group that is really solid. And I feel like that's something I've really cultivated over the last year. So I finally feel like I have a group of women that I can just be myself with. And it feels delicious. It feels amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then incredible things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, like I started the men's group in kind of as a way to to cope with some struggles that I was having, you know, with Marty and other other men. And then through that, I've I've also not only met so many incredible men in my groups, but also, you know, a whole community in Oregon that I would de- mm-hmm. I would never have found if I didn't start the men's group. And and there's a lot of men there that hold me. Mm. And it's and I think that's um, that's something that I didn't see coming. Of mm. course, you know the the into the void. <laughs> yeah, you will find a lot of uh, surprises. Uh huh. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was your quote that you just posted? Into the void with open hearts. With yeah. an open heart. And that was that was your quote, basically. Was it? Kind of like uh, synthesized, which is yeah, into the void we go with with open hearts. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the intention is to to go into something so unknown, so uncertain, to love without um the the safety mm-hmm. in the way that we knew it, but to love nevertheless and mm-hmm. and uh yeah, open. Open yeah. heart. Beautiful. Into the void we go with open hearts. I love you, Kyle Henry. I love you too. Uh, and listeners, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of our world and our reality. And um, yeah, I'm excited to keep sharing more. Me too. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.